Welcome to Grace on the Go. This podcast is designed so that you can take grace with you anywhere you go. This episode is a sermon from Sunday, October 23rd, 2022 called, I Have Called You by Name, Mary, given by Pastor Chris Simmons. The scripture passage highlighted for today's sermon comes from the book of Luke, chapter 20, verses 15 and 16. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Well, God's grace, mercy, and peace are yours through our Lord and Savior Christ Jesus. Amen. Since he got to do it, I get to do it too. Everybody, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, man, my energy level was way different than yours. Let's try that. Let's try that one more time, everybody. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Amen. Absolutely. Why keep it just to one season of the year? In fact, this whole message kind of is a reminder of that, that Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. Hallelujah. Amen for you. And keeping that in perspective, like we said with Christmas, keep the spirit all the year. You should keep the Easter spirit all the year, too. Absolutely. Both equally important. And as we start today, we've already mentioned a little bit about tunnel vision. Can you go to the first slide for me? What it means to have tunnel vision is it affects our situational awareness. Right? You can go to the picture for me. It affects our situational awareness. I'm not talking about like the medical tunnel vision where you can't see what's in front of you. I'm talking about the, the way we talk about tunnel vision kind of between people and personality, right? You seem so focused on one thing, like you're looking through a tunnel, and all you see is what's on the other side. You are not gathering everything else on the outside of that tunnel. And that often happens when we're, um, it could be a good thing when we're really driven and got to get a project done at home, but oftentimes it's not. When someone says you have tunnel vision, you're too focused, you're too driven on this one thing, and you're kind of leaving a lot of stuff, uh, casualty in your wake. You're not looking at the big picture. There's so much going on, your particular aim, you haven't noticed or cared for anything else. And like I already said this once, when we have tunnel vision, we fail to see the bigger picture. Right? You only see... What's in front of you? What's your driven? That project you're involved with, the problems that are going on, you tend to neglect them and tend to neglect all the other things that are around you. The other image I like is when it's that, but everything else around that tunnel is blurred rather than blocked. You can kind of see things happening over here, but it's all blurry. It's like like you're missing pieces. When I say it affects your situational awareness, meaning you have no idea what's going on around you. It's like jigsaw pieces, right? You have no idea. You're missing all the pieces. You can't seem to complete the big picture. And as your focus narrows, you miss things. And thus that situation, uh, uh, situational awareness becomes flawed. Can you go to the next one for me? Over here, that's what happens to Mary. You can see this is, I did an LWML Zone event here. We did a big, nice, long study on Mary Magdalene. She's also called Mary Magdalene because Magdalene is actually of Magdala, right? That's where she's from, like how Jesus of Nazareth, his last name isn't of Nazareth. It's, it's Jesus, right? And then he is from Nazareth. Over here, it's Mary, and she is from a place called Magdala. So when you look at this, you see mostly where she's mentioned throughout kind of the end of Scripture, At the cross, at burial, and at the empty tomb. And then she's the witness to the apostles, right? We see that, of course. But that big chunk, I think God gives us that big chunk to kind of teach us about this idea of tunnel vision. Mary is so focused on the death of Jesus, on the fact that he was buried. And then when she gets there, what does she expect? 
to see a dead body. Well, she doesn't expect the stone to be rolled away, first of all. But then when she gets there, the stone is rolled away, and it's an empty tomb. She has this expectation of what Christ is supposed to be. He's supposed to be dead, and he's supposed to be right there. And I don't see how it can be any different. And you kind of see how it all kind of unravels, right? She's so tunnel-focused, she doesn't notice that. The stone's rolled away. She doesn't see the two angels that are there. She can't even notice Jesus. They're talking to her because her expectations aren't met, and that's all that she can focus on. And that's what kind of kicks off this sermon. As we go to our, our first point, or our second point, I guess, kind of on your outline, which is this. Uh, go to the next one for me. Go to where number two is. Is it changing behind me? There it is. Okay. Fear wants us to focus on what we see, not what we know. So when we focus only on what we see rather than what we know, we forget Christ. We forget the presence of Jesus. You see, Mary is so focused on what she sees rather than what she knows. Because that's what fear does to us. It wants us only to focus on the image that's there rather than what's going on in our brain. I'm a warning. There's a picture of a spider coming. If you can go to the next slide for me. Ooh. Right? I know. I won't keep it up for long. And I know it's blown up to make it like way worse. The spider's giant. But you see in perspective, it's only the size of a fingernail. Now at my house, when there's a spider on the floor or on the counter or on the table, what do you think happens with my three-year-old son, my six-year-old daughter, and my wife? <laughs> there's a little bit of panic, a little bit of screaming. I didn't put a picture of a mouse up there. If there was a mouse, she'd call me. She's like, I drove all the way to Boise to my mom's house, and I'm calling to let you know there's a mouse in the house, and you have to take care of it. Why is that? Because, well, mice and, and spiders are icky. But they call me over, and I'm like, all right. Looks like it's a job for me. Because fear, what fear does, it makes us focus on what we see rather than what we know. They see a spider and panic. Even Caleb is like a thousand times bigger than that spider. But we can only focus on what we see rather than what we know. If you've ever wanted to go skydiving, one of the greatest fears is fear of heights. Why don't a lot of people go skydiving? Because when we get to the plane, they look down, and what do they see? The ground. That's pretty far away. <laughs> they focus only on what they see rather than what we know. I can see that the ground is really far away, even if I don't know and realize that I'm actually pretty secure with an instructor that's done this thousands of times, has two parachutes, a regular one and an emergency one. In reality, I'll be fine, but I can only focus on what I see rather than what I know. Another example is public speaking, right? The big fear of public speaking. People only focus on what they see rather than what they know. And what they see is a crowd of people. And it doesn't help to imagine them naked. No matter what people say, that just makes it weird. I'm not doing that now. I feel like I should say something. I'm fired. <laughs> but, but, but when we focus only on what we see rather than what we know, when we're up here, we see just a bunch of people. And you start to choke up. You start to panic. There's so many people here. I don't know what's going on. But if you've been asked to speak for an event, oftentimes it's because you know what you're talking about. People have come to listen to you because they want to know what you know. It's a TED Talk or it's a presentation, anything like that. But even though we should know that we have a bunch of years of experience and we have valuable knowledge, we only focus on what we see rather than what we know. And that's what brings us to Mary in our gospel reading. She arrives at an empty tomb. And all she can focus on is what she sees rather than what she knows. And what she sees 
is a tomb that should have the body of her Lord, a burial table that has two random guys sitting on it. She doesn't know why, but the linens are, are, are unra- unraveled. The hood is laid on the table. The body of my Lord should be there, she says. All she can do is focus on what she sees rather than what she knows. And she's so focused on that, she can't tell there are two angels in the room with her. She can't tell someone's rolled this huge stone out of the way. And she's so focused on what she sees rather than what she knows, she can't even see Jesus, who's been right there the entire time. All she can do is fear has gripped her, and she can say, where is God? Where is the body of my Lord? And I tell you this because, again, we're talking about tunnel vision. She's become so focused on this one piece. She's missing everything on the outside, the presence of God outside of all of it. And I don't know if this has been you. In me, in my time, I want to talk just, uh, this is a very quick excursus on like the call process for pastors. When you're a recent graduate, like I was, and you're being called to a church, you kind of are in, like, like the month before, and then there's a wonderful godly story that happens with this, but before you kind of have any inclination, you're just kind of lost. And you're like, are we going to Nebraska? Are we going to, to Alabama? I, how am I going to move my whole family? Where are we going? What are we doing? I'm not so sure. It's going to be a random congregation somewhere. You get kind of, you get good stories, really good God-faithful stories, and you get some other stories that, that make you afraid of what's going to happen. And you're like in a place in a, in a church that I helped launch and you help raise up and you know you're not being called there. And you're just like, God, I, don't, I can't see where I'm going. I don't know what I'm doing. And oftentimes, if you've heard this prayer, It's maybe happened to you because when God doesn't deliver in the way that you want or that you expect, right in that narrow focus, you say, God, are you even here? God, I'm lost. God, I don't know where I'm going. And God, I I looked for it right here. I prayed for this, but it didn't happen. Have you left me? Where is the body of my Lord? She says, where is the presence of my God? Because he's not fulfilling my expectation or even fulfilling the thing I prayed so hard for. And then your prayer becomes this, Lord, I'm lost. I don't know what to do. The thing that I was focusing on isn't being fulfilled, and I don't know what to do. I need a sign. I need any sign. Any sign will do. Lord, I just need a sign to know that you're here. Make your presence known to me. It sounds very well rehearsed because it was well rehearsed. It happened very often. And it reminds me of this story. It's a joke that I heard a long time ago. There's a man, and he's uh, living on, in a village, and this village is in between two mountains, right? It's in, right there in the valley, and the rain's coming, and it's pouring rain, and the whole town is flooding. So everyone leaves. Everyone escapes, except this man says, no, I'm waiting on a sign from God. I'm staying where I am until the Lord tells me otherwise. So then the, his house begins to flood. It goes up to the first level of his house. A rowboat comes by, and they say, Sir, sir, hurry, jump in our boat. The town is flooding, and you will surely die. You will surely down, drown. That's what I'm trying to say. You will surely drown. No, he says. I'm waiting on a sign from God. I'm waiting for the Lord to tell me something. And this rowboat goes by. So then it, gets to the, it floods to the second level of his house. And then a powerboat, a, a, a motorboat, that's what it's called. A motorboat goes by and it says, Sir, sir, uh, hurry, jump off of your house and come into our boat. Uh, the town is flooding and you will surely drown. No, he says, I'm waiting on a sign from God. The Lord will tell me something. 
So then the boat goes by, and then finally it goes all the way up to the roof. Onto his ankles, he's standing there, a helicopter comes by, drops a ladder. Sir, sir, hurry, climb up into our helicopter. The town is flooding, and you will surely drown. No, he says, I'm waiting on a sign from God. Surely the Lord will tell me something. And the helicopter flies away. Well, and then the whole town floods, and the man drowns. But he finds himself in heaven, and he goes to Jesus and says, Jesus, heaven's great. I really appreciate being here. But I found it kind of odd. I, I was there. I was waiting on a sign from you, and, and you never came, and I drowned. What's up with that? And Jesus looks at him and goes, what are you talking about? I sent you two boats and a helicopter. <laughs> right? And that's not, it's, it's one of those ha jokes, not like a ha-ha joke. <laughs> right? But it's one of those ha jokes of the irony that goes with it. And I say that because that's us often at times. We see Mary. She's here. Lord, uh, they've, taken my, they've taken away the body of my Lord. The tomb, is rolled, the tomb is, the rock is rolled away. The stone's rolled away. Then she comes in. The angels say, woman, why are you crying? And she says, they've taken away the body of my Lord. Jesus is there. Jesus says, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And she says, they've taken away the body of my Lord. And Jesus is like, I've sent you two boats and a helicopter. You should be able to see the work of God. I've told you time and time again, we read it throughout scriptures, how he has not just, you could say prophesies, but it, I mean, it's God. He doesn't really prophesy about himself. He just tells you what's going to happen. He told them what was going to happen, yet they still don't see it. And you can't see all the signs because your tunnel vision has you only focused on one spot. And when you're so focused on God fulfilling your expectations, you can't see how God's working outside of your expectations. When you're only focused on one spot, you can't see how God is working in the grander, bigger picture outside of that. We become so focused on what we see rather than what we know that we begin to doubt God. And God's love isn't as obvious, maybe, as we want it to be. And that brings us to our, our next point, point three, and it's this. Instead of seeing it for what it is, know what it is you're seeing. God wants you to see who you really are. Mary's become so focused on what she sees rather than what she knows. God wants to take that and he wants to flip it on you. God wants you to know what you see. To know what you see. I'm going to bring this picture up again. I'm sorry. Ooh, I know. God wants you to know what you see when you see a spider. It's not... Fearing the spider, although you should respect all of God's creation, even that, right, to some of your dismay. But when you see that spider, it's not about seeing the spider and being afraid. It's about knowing what you see. I'm a, I'm a million times larger than that spider. That spider, it's on a fingernail. It's as big. Why would I run scared, afraid, and, and, and sell my house because I see a spider one time? God says, know what you see. Know that you're larger than a spider. When you're there for skydiving, know what you see. Yeah, maybe I see the ground, but know that you're secure. You're with an instructor. You've got two parachutes. You're going to be fine. Know what you see. There's an empty tomb. Instead of seeing an empty tomb and fearing and saying, I don't see the body of my Lord. I don't see God. He says and said to Mary, I want you to know what you see. When you see an empty tomb... Know that Christ has risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Amen. And Mary's so focused on that empty tomb, it becomes a time of forgetfulness. 
and unbelief, rather than a time of fulfillment and joy. Because in reality, the tomb is empty, not because God is missing, but because God is right beside her. It's our reality we share too. The tomb is empty because God is right beside us. Jesus says, behold, I will be with you always until the very end of the age. And when we look to heaven and say, God, where are you? Yeah, I, just, I would love it if Jesus tapped me on the shoulder once in a while. You keep looking up and you keep looking over there when in reality I'm right here. And this is one really, really neat point. And I showed this earlier. Here's, here's behind the scenes, right? Here's my message. I hardly looked at it today. I hope I kind of did it justice. But in very big print, highlighted, bolded, and underlined, this is so cool. Because notice what, how Jesus lets her know that he's been beside her the whole time. Jesus doesn't reveal himself to Mary by telling her who he is. Jesus reveals himself to Mary by telling her who she is. Jesus just says, Mary. And in my head, all those times they rush back into the parable of the shepherd. When the shepherd and his sheep, he says, Behold, when I say the name of my sheep, my sheep will hear my voice and they will follow me. I will call them by name, and they will know the the voice of their master. They will know the voice of their shepherd. And you see it right here. At the right time, when Mary's so focused over here, God is the one that reveals himself to her by telling her who she is. He does that to us too. He wants to shatter your tunnel vision. He wants you to see the bigger picture, because he reveals the bigger picture to her. When he says Mary, and she says, Rabboni, which means teacher, I now see the tomb is empty because you've risen. I now know what this means. I, 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 I'm getting it. I'm seeing the bigger picture. And God wants to reveal the bigger picture to you. And it happens when we get tunnel vision on all those little issues, whether it's an empty tomb. The body of the Lord should be there, and he's not there. What am I to do? My finances, they should be a lot better than this, and, and they're not, and I just don't know what to do. My family, I don't get why my family is a bunch of maniacs. I don't know what's going on. It should be better than this. Lord, I don't know what to do. Lord, I, over here in, in this area of my life, when, in my career and at work, it's just not going the way it needs to. I, I don't know what to do. And you become so focused in those moments on the panic and fear grips you and causes you to focus on that one narrow spot. Know that the Lord wants to shatter that vision when he calls you by name to let you know that you are his. Chris, Jonathan, Scott, Samantha, Billy, Jonathan, again. (laughs) Right? All these names, every time, knowing those moments of panic and those moments of fear, God calls you by name to shatter that fear, to shatter shatter that tunnel to let you know that you are his and there's a bigger picture in store for you. And to him who creates that bigger picture, we do all this in his name and all God's people said, amen. If you have any questions or comments, email them to podcast at gracepocatello.org and make sure to subscribe to our channel to stay up to date on sermons and classes at Grace Lutheran Church in Pocatello, Idaho. This podcast is designed so that you can take grace with you anywhere you go.